Hello, everybody, and welcome to Security Talk, a speaker series podcast of the Santa Barbara Ventura chapter of ASIS International. I'm Patrick Kane, and today we're speaking to Ned Farmer, Head of Global Intelligence and Security Programs at TransOcean. In our conversation, we discuss ways to engage senior management and to demonstrate the value of the security function to an organization. Hey, Ned. How's it going? Hi, Patrick. Good. How are you? Uh, excellent. Thank you. And uh, happy to have you on to uh, speak to us and, and the membership of the as is, uh, Santa Barbara Ventura chapter as well, too. Um, I'm sure you're going to offer a lot of uh, interesting perspective and insight. Um, we have a we have a history working in the aviation uh, in the aviation sector, particularly in OSAC, um, hand in hand on certain things, even though we were, were separate companies. Uh, but you fairly recently went and transitioned over to TransOcean, and now you're you're in the energy sector, which actually was a um, a industry that you were working in previously as well. Too, could you provide a little background and kind of tell us about your experiences and how you ended up at TransOcean now? Sure. Happy to, Patrick. And thanks again for the opportunity. So um, like many in our community, I have a private sector security and intelligence background, uh, never worked for the government, but I've worked in a few different industries um, and have really been driven by a, a passion and interest in international affairs, um, as well as ironically enough, my, my career has been often guided by the fact that I'm a New Yorker who grew up in New York City and was personally impacted by September 11th. Um, didn't necessarily plan to find myself into this field, but um, having come out of grad school and done some things before that, I was in the uh, international uh, development sector with the Inter-American Development Bank in D.C., uh, then at Shell for four years, uh, where I got a taste for the energy industry before choosing to go spend the last seven years at American Airlines, heading up the geopolitical and security risk team there. Um, before turning around and returning back to Houston Energy at TransOcean. And, and for those that aren't familiar with TransOcean, uh, world leader in ultra deep water and harsh environment offshore drilling. Uh, so that's a little bit of, of my background or how I came to, to speak with you today. Um, but certainly one of the things that rings out across um, whatever company that I've worked for is the, the famous saying that there's no competition in security and welcome the chance to, to talk with you today and um, be able to share maybe some best practices and thoughts that may be helpful to, to professionals overall. Yeah, it's interesting, Ned, because you came from a background where your primary focus was more intelligence, but now you're in a more of a multifaceted type of security management role as well, where you're still handling intelligence, but you have other things that fall under your uh, your scope of responsibility too. And one thing that I think is particularly pertinent for our call today is um, the fact that you're um, that you have a, essentially a direct contact with senior management at TransOcean. They're the ones who kind of brought you on. And as a result, uh, you're, you're starting to develop, I think, um, a lot of experience in kind of interacting with the C-suite, trying to show them the value that security can offer, perhaps areas that they hadn't considered before or thought about. Um, could you explain a little bit about how that's all kind of shaping up for you and yeah so certainly yeah certainly and that's that's really true i mean of the, the places that i mentioned where i previously worked they were all very large companies uh transocean is a smaller one and frankly that's one of the the opportunities that i welcomed 
when I had the chance to come on board because it, it gives me the chance to engage, as you mentioned, directly with senior leadership. If you're working in a smaller company, it's easier to identify how who some of those key stakeholders are. Um, it's a it's a company that previously did have folks in the security function and then went through a big change in COVID and wanted to reimagine how they were approaching security coming out of COVID and as the company uh, grew back following that period of time. And specifically, the real ask was, and what they really wanted was to be able to translate security to better support the operations of the company. So I need to support the business. And having had the chance to, even in the interview process, engage with stakeholders right up to the president of the company as part of that interview process, it was a chance to go in with a chance or rather uh, an opportunity better to say, um, to um, make friends and influence people, if you will. But they knew that they they were seeking an evaluate and, and to be able to try to do that drawing on my previous experience, I thought would be a very cool opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one of the challenges that we sometimes have in the security in the security profession is to be able to articulate our value uh, up the chain of command, uh, particularly in the absence of any type of significant incidents or events. Sometimes it can be hard for senior management at some organizations to justify the cost of security and so forth. And ideally, for most of us, if we're doing our jobs, that means we are preventing the majority of things before they ever occur. Uh, but sometimes that's a hard metric to capture. Uh, was that one of the challenges you had at Transocean? And if so, how did you uh, handle that or address that? Yeah, thanks, Patrick. And that's something that that I am passionate about, which I think you've probably heard me speak of before. But, you know, you always hear the, the security leaders lament, right? You know, security is a cost. Security doesn't generate value. Security is naturally reactive. It's it's like the fire department. You know, you need it around in case the, the, the house sets on fire or whatever. Um, but I've always viewed security sort of by definition as being um, something that's proactive. And rather than saying a cost, it's more about being a business partner. Um, it's to being about a trusted advisor um, that can hold certainly for the intelligence piece to try to inform decision makers, but it can also hold for the security management piece. Um, and even in some of those preliminary conversations with senior leadership, um, that's what I articulated, right, is that rather than, say, being back on your heels and waiting for these things or responding to things that happen, um, you have an opportunity, the way Transocean was imagining what you were doing, to be able to go out and to connect and then be able to um, change how security is viewed and embed that value by connecting with decision makers, by connecting with senior stakeholders um, in a way that you can guide business decisions and you can provide some of that greater engagement and involvement. Um, which, you know, maybe traditionally hasn't or, or it's not the way that people associate with security. Um, how do you think you uh, were best able to establish credibility with the senior team? Yeah, good, good question. I think the first thing is to be humble. Um, and so I think sometimes people, particularly if they've been in previous high level positions, whether it's in government or the private sector, they may come in. Um, thinking that they've necessarily got all the answers or thinking that they've got, you know, this mandate to come in and, and immediately shake things up. Um, and I think the important thing to to recognize, and I've, as I've moved around a bit, right, is certainly that I'm new. Um, and if I'm new, then let me, before I, you know, risk alienating people or talking about all these things I should do, um, let me sort of stop and, and make sure I don't make that Ronald Reagan line about, you know, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, right, being the scariest thing out there. So before I go, I'm from security, I'm here to help. 
like, hang on, um, you know, let me see what I can do to just get to know people, to win the like vote, if you will, right? Um, I remember in the interview process being told, you know, we love your experience. And it dawned on me that experience is really a euphemism for having done things the wrong way um, or things done in a certain way and then learning that there's a better way to do them. Um, so sort of to, to, to kind of think about that from a credibility perspective, because you don't want to immediately rush in to change things. I think first and foremost, it's about trying to um, just figure out who those people are. Um, and then, yeah, I could get more into this, but not rush into um, feeling like you immediately need to demonstrate value or, or, you know, just hit it out of the park right out of the bat, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think those are valid points, Ned. And it sounds like part of your of your uh, the actions or the course of action that you took there was to build alliances also in a, a lateral way as well to so to to go kind of uh, speak to people in other departments within the company that you might have to interface with and kind of build a environment of trust with those individuals also. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, I think it's always and another trick with security, right, is people will say, oh, security said this, um, but they might not identify or know who that person was. They may not have a professional relationship with that person. Um, they may not be able to identify what that person does day to day. And so if you can be proactive on all of those things, you know, rather than, than faceless security saying this or potentially being around, say, with the stereotype of just to say no, um, then if you've known the people, it's easier for them to, going back to that credibility question, um, for them to understand a little bit more about you, your background, where your assessment or your decisions may be coming from. Um, if you've taken the time and you know been entrepreneurial to try to build those relationships, um, if you know the person, you're going to be more credible to, in their eyes, I think, than if you don't. And so mm -hmm. even if it's just, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out affair, but just um, any way that you can sort of get your name in front of people or, or physically connect with somebody. Um, I think helps. And I think it helps basically um, to, to provide a reference that says security is not just around to tell me something when I'm all of a sudden worried about security, but that person's out there very much in the way HR is or communications or other supportive functions um, to be able to help empower me, keep me safe and secure in my day to day. And not just that, but potentially also be able to better inform the business and, and certain strategic opportunities that may be coming down the pike um, because of those relationships and that mutual two-way understanding and information. Yeah, that's actually an excellent segue into what I'm uh, interested in kind of asking you next, which is as you kind of learn things about the business, how did you find areas where security could add value and how did you articulate that, I guess? Yeah, that's a that's another great question. Um, and the first thing is to ask, right? Like, it's just to see, you know, identify who does what. So, for example, to give you, you know, one sense, it's for people who may not have considered um, in one particular area of operations that we have, um, there were some geopolitical international affairs challenges at play that historically had not been looked at all that closely um, internally. And then just to be able, by dint of having reached out to a couple of folks and by having mentioned a little bit about my background, I was then brought into some conversations around stuff that wasn't necessarily directly impacted to the country, uh, to the company, um, but was more broadly relevant and, and had in terms of some of the other factors that would impact our operations in the country. So um, I think some of it is just identifying who to talk to, asking, um, and then specifically trying to figure out what they need. 
um, because what they need and what they want or what they articulate, maybe they may not be able to articulate what it is that they're looking for, right? Someone might say, yes, I want a risk assessment of X, um, but it may turn out that when you talk to them and you have a conversation or you sort of engage with them a little bit more, you may realize they said that, but what they really want is like a journey management plan and they want some basic travel security advice for, for people who are going there or something that's more tactical. So um, I think it's important to um, sort of take it, if you will, one step at a time. Um, and remember that, you know, sometimes I think security people fall into a trap of, of being quick to say no um, or feeling that it's their job to to kind of arb be, be the ultimate arbiter of, of how things go. And I think it's important to focus on the fact that security is ultimately there to, to support the business, um, but to do so in a way that, that that allows the business to continue, obviously, as safely, securely as possible. Yeah, no, I think that's... Uh... I think that's an important aspect. I mean, you, you kind of really have to understand the operation. And oftentimes you may have people who are asking for, for assistance in a particular area, but they may not know what they really want, particularly if they're not a, a person who works in the security field, right? So that they have a vague idea, but you really have to help them kind of drill down. And then helping, uh, particularly with your Intel background, helping the company to see potential opportunities or see what the impact of geopolitical events, as an example, or potentially are for operations in a certain country. Um, how do you how do you interact with your, your peers and senior management? I mean, what type of venues do you do you approach them at? Uh, because obviously, particularly when you're talking about senior management, you're talking about people who usually have a very heavy schedule and so forth. How do you pick and choose the things that you need to go bring to them or not bring to them? And what are you like your channels of communication for kind of dealing with them? Yeah, that's that's another great question. So I've got a sending weekly engagement uh, with with our with the person I, I roll up to in the C suite. So um, that standing obviously weekly meeting is a good time to to sort of be guided as to whether I'm on the right track or I'm the wrong track. Um, and then I specifically I, I normally obviously come with my suite of different aspects of things to discuss. Um, but I'm also always lead with if he's got anything for me, right? Again, it's a service business. You know, this is one way it was described to me once with securities like piano players at the party. Um, so that standing engagement is certainly helpful. But similarly, uh, it's it's having touch points with others, um, whether that's structured, sometimes certain operational leadership, not necessarily at the C-suite level, but, level, but higher up every couple of weeks, um, because that's a good way structured, again, to know what's what's coming from on high but also it's not just about what the senior leadership of the company thinks it's also what certain key leaders in certain verticals um think and what they're up to and what they may need and what i've found is the more you can get your name out there um and and be soliciting business right be entrepreneurial if you will um in that mindset the better positioned you are to be able to understand what they need but it's more listening to them and then suggesting ideas that may be helpful or products that may be helpful or something um, than it is sometimes, you know, working in a vacuum to then come up with something and trying to impose that upon them saying, okay, well, I'm pretty sure my, you know, stakeholders want X. Um, it's much more, I think, like the first rule of comedy, know your audience. I think it's much more about um, making sure you understand what they want and they may not all want the same thing. And certainly then there's the chance to support, say, government affairs or communications or others, depending on, you know, what the specific issue may be, for example. So uh, oftentimes it's, it's understanding 
understanding what their requirements are, even if they don't necessarily articulate it well. And it sounds like, too, like there's value in kind of knowing who some of the individuals are within the organization who may not have a big title, but are still, for lack of a better term, or influencers within the organization and being able to kind of influence them. 100%. And, and concisely, the way that I would sort of frame that is, yes, you can talk about influencing your leadership, but if you're new in a place, right, and if you go charging off, um, and you go trying to engage with senior leaders, but it turns out that in your day-to-day, you're more likely to be engaging with people who may be one, two, or three notches below that. If you start at the top, number one, they may not know who you are. They might not want to make time for you. But number two, even if they do, and then you get passed back down the chain to those people, they may look at you and say, well, why didn't you just come start talking to me? Like you felt like you had to go up to you know those that are up in the rarefied air. Um, I found it much better to from that relationship perspective, start with the people who may be doing the actual work, um, connect with them, and they may even suggest, hey, you know, I should introduce you to my boss, or I forwarded this on to my boss, and, and they like this, you know, maybe they'd like a meeting. And I think that's a much more collaborative way to go about it um, than, than to, to try to start at that the, the top, because I think you risk maybe alienating along you might um, by sort of throwing, you know, Hail Marys or, or throwing long down the field than you would if you're grinding out two or three yards first to to make some forward progress, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, those those are excellent observations. Ned. It sounds like your approach there, even though you report directly into uh, into senior leadership, it sounds like your approach has been almost like a, a bottom up approach where you're you're kind of uh, establishing relationships um, and kind of building a foundation which means that you're you're talking to the people who really are more hands-on with stuff. And at the same time, you're not kind of bothering um, the senior leaders with things that maybe can be handled at a lower level. Yeah, that, that's certainly the case. And again, I think it's about being sensitive to the fact, and this is something I maybe should have said earlier, right? Um, I mean, if you're in a senior leadership position of any company, like you've got serious demands on your time. And I think it's important for security leaders to also understand that security is not their priority 24-7. It's also not the mission of the company, right? So um, if you're going to take that time and if you're going to tell them something or recommend something, there better be a, a so what for the company involved, right? I mean, here's why we're doing this. And the amount of time that it takes for them to either listen to you or read it better be worth it. Um, because otherwise you're, you'd be conscious of the fact you're taking them away from something else they could be doing. So um, I think that's something important to to level set with. And another reason why if you can engage with people on the day to day, you'll learn more about the business, you know, on the normal level. And, you know, I've certainly found that, you know, your name or your products, or if you're adding value, that will find its way to where it needs to go. So certainly it's great to have the the, the connectivity and the support um, maybe within a, in a vertical to the to senior leadership. But at the same time, when it comes to, to adding value more broadly, that's about forging those relationships across all levels. Okay. Now, in a role like you're in now, Ned, you have a variety of different things you have to basically cover down on, um, arguably some of them at the same time. And how do you prioritize or how do you determine the priorities for how you're going to spend your time? Uh, because you now have a broader portfolio perhaps than what you had in the past. Yeah, that's a that that's another really good one, Patrick. Um, and sort of broadly speaking, one of the short answers that I've that I've spoken to um, you know, senior leadership is about I've said, you set the priorities, I execute on the priorities. And if I'm not sure what I should be prioritizing in a given moment, I'm certainly not afraid to ask, right? And say, okay, of these different 
challenges, whether say it's a new market entry assessment that needs to be done. Now, this is easier for things that are proactive, say, but, uh, you know, a new market entry thing that needs to be done or setting up active shooter training or something like that, right? And saying, okay, well, which one of these should take priority? Um, certainly something that I'm happy to ask to be guided on. I think at the same time, um, when you look at it, sometimes it's okay, well, what's the, the most significant impact and what's the alligator closest to the boat, right? And you can determine that by impact to company, obviously safety of people. So there may be times that, you know, I'm traveling, but there's a, say a, a natural disaster of some kind and, and we want to make sure that our, our people are safe or either prepare them in advance or check on them after the fact, leveraging some of the tools we have. Um, so it really being guided first and foremost by um, significance, you know, safety of people and then significance and impact to the company. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Because all these, I think are challenges that, that quite a few people face and it can be hard to decide how to spend your time, particularly if you have multiple fires at the same time to decide the fire, that's the kind of most critical one. And uh, particularly when you have a broad portfolio and when you have a, a workforce and assets, you know, all over the world, basically, how do you, how do you, um, gather and present information to your decision makers to help them decide, keeping in mind the fact that they're, as you mentioned, their, their attention span and time is somewhat limited because of all the other things. And the fact that, you know, the, uh, the, in, in the absence of a critical event, the uh, um, actions of the security function probably are not their primary focus. Um, how do you, how do you go and use that information or, kind of condense it down to make it concise enough that it's easy for them to uh, understand it and action it. Yeah, um, I, definitely, definitely the case. And I'm a big fan of bullets. And I'm also a big fan of um, when keeping it short, explaining the so sort of to oversimplify what happened, why does this matter? What are we going to do about it? Or what are we doing about it? Right? So it's sort of, you know, here's the event, here's the assessment, here are the action security management actions that we're taking, right? Or if need input from them, say, here are the questions or, you know, how do we want to do this going forward um, for, for when it's, it's that type of thing, for it's more standing stuff. Similarly, um, you know, Mark Twain had a great line where he said, please forgive the length of this letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. Um, it's an that's, excellent quote. Yeah. It, it's an excellent quote, right? And that's that, if you're putting something in writing for these folks, again, you can write the best 10 pages in the world no 10 pages so so write the best one or two pages in the world and try to write them in a way somebody's going to read it if if that's if that's the case right and if you're scheduling meetings um you know what i like is meetings are never scheduled where i'm for more than a half an hour and if you're good you can get it done before that right so yeah. that also is is particularly for somebody who occasionally is enamored with the sound of his own voice such as me uh <laughs> <laughs> you got to be concise and, and focused like that is is certainly a, a good thing because people's time is precious. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you that I think would be very helpful for everybody, Ned, is if you could provide, I guess, some tips or pointers for somebody. Let's say they're starting out a brand new role, maybe a company, mid-sized company, a similar type of situation for yourself. Or maybe there's somebody who's been in that position for a while, but they're trying to get a higher amount of engagement with senior management, senior leadership. Um, do you have any tips or pointers or ideas or suggestions that, that you could offer? Yeah, that's the, that's another um, that's a good one, Patrick. Um, first is go slowly, don't rush, right? Like I think if you're new, sometimes especially when you're younger, you think, 
all right, I'm here. I got to, they hired me. I got to justify my being on board by doing all this stuff. And, you know, like anywhere where you're new, um, you know, if you rush off, you may sort of, you may lead yourself astray. It may be better to kind of sit and listen um, and sort of learn and, and understand the sights and sounds of, of what's going on around you before you go ahead. So I think that's a, that's a good one is whatever you do, go slowly. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and certainly when it comes to uh, learning the business, right? And if you go from different industries, before you go adding all the value and doing all the things that you want to do, I think that's certainly, um, you know, you got to understand, okay, what's the mission of the company? What's my role in that? Um, what's the corporate around security like, right? Because I've, I've certainly, I'm a believer in soft influence and that it's, you know, the places that I've worked, security is not always going to mandate, yes, you must do this. No, you can't do that. Um, so understand what that looks like in your own, you know, company and environment, um, because it can be very different across the private sector. And, and you want to be able to, to be sure that you're engaging with people in a way that that resonates with them and, and understands. Also, being collaborative, I think, is another good one, which is, you know, you can you can get into it with somebody and try to escalate to get a result to your problem. Um, but if you have to do that, then you've probably burned that relationship with the person going forward. And, you know, you can't necessarily work with them again. So um again with the idea that you don't necessarily have heart if you don't have hard power um to, to force through what you would like then I, I certainly think it's important to be engaged with those stakeholders to generally be collaborative um and to try to just sort of ask yourself early on what can i do to support the business's mission um and understand what that is and then be able to tailor your security value add according yeah i think that's important thing you hit about the value of, of soft power and also kind of picking your particular battles as well, too. Uh, I think, you know, for for quite a few of us, we have, have our idea of how it be done. Um, but sometimes that's not something you can easily implement or something you need to really implement over time in stages, not overnight. Um, just because of a variety of separate things. It could be budgetary. It could be corporate culture. A whole host of separate things. Um, but, yeah, excellent insights. That. Thank you. Um, I guess in closing, is there anything else you'd want to add or is there anything that we haven't spoke about that you think we, we ought to be speaking about? Yeah, well, one thing, one thing that just dawned on me, right, was, was when I said before, know your audience, but it, it depends on the role you're in in security, but that's not like a throwaway line. Like you really should know your audience. I mean, if you work in energy, you know, geologists are going to digest information different than the way that pilots mm -hmm. are going to digest information. Flight attendants are going to react to a security event in a way different than folks who walk work offshore are going to react to that event. Um, and again, especially if you shift between industries, at, at the core, we're all here to, you know, in our jobs to try to keep people safe and secure, right? I mean, that's the fundamental mission. And if that's our fundamental mission, and then we're supporting the companies, then the core is to understand those people, right? Like understand how those people react what their interests are and how they process information and then try to make sure you pass it on accordingly um, to be able to do the best you can to keep them safe and secure so i think that is important because certainly the way information gets presented uh can vary across industries because the nature of the people you're presenting it to is quite diverse yeah the importance of the of the culture of both the company and individual work groups within the company because as you said it may it may actually vary within the organization depending who you're talking to as far as how they handle information, how they how they process it, and to a degree, their um, 
degree maybe of, of resilience uh, in the kind of face of, of potential issues. So if you have to provide a travel briefing to somebody for an area that's not, that, that has certain challenges, um, who's receiving that may indicate how you provide it. You're still providing the same information, but you may emphasize certain things or couch it in a certain way. And I think that's, that's extremely valuable. And I think what I'm kind of hearing from our whole conversation really is that you need to really understand the organization before you try and come in and uh, affect a lot of changes or, um, and also that, you know, the importance of, of collaboration with both your colleagues and, uh, before in some cases heading up the chain thing. So, yeah, I think that's certainly true. And take the time to get out of the comfort zone to learn the business. Cause if you sit around in your area all day or only engage with a few people, um, you may never be able to get that sort of more, more holistic understandings, or you may stay on the margins where if you're willing to put yourself out there in a way that's uncomfortable, um, you know, you may then be able to learn a little bit more and that may be able to, to get you further along with what it is that you're trying to do together with the points that you just mentioned. Yeah, no, it's important too. You have to step outside of your comfort zone sometimes with these things for sure in order to get the maximum impact. Well, uh, excellent, uh, excellent input, Ned, uh, extremely helpful. I'm sure everyone will be very interested in share it, uh, in, in hearing it and everything. And um, I guess I'll see you soon as well. So Sounds good. Well, thank you again very much for the, the opportunity, Patrick. And indeed, I look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Thank Outstanding. you. Outstanding. Thanks a lot.